desperado Why don't you come to your senses You've been out riding fences For so long now Oh, you're a hard one But I know that you got your reasons These things that are pleasing you Can hurt you somehow Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy She'll beat you if she's able You know the queen of hearts Is always your best bet Now it seems to me Some fine things Have been laid upon your table But you only want the ones That you can't
Hello and good evening, everyone, from the highest point on Florida State's campus in the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from Room 420 inside of Divenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world and of course you can find us on twitter at talk underscore tomahawk we have gianna on the twitter tonight and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837 that's 850-644-1837 i hope everyone had a very relaxing and revitalizing thanksgiving break and i hope your dinner table wasn't filled with too many politics and your stomach was full of mashed potatoes seriously my mother makes the best mashed potatoes I know. Is I that know, a challenge? That's a challenge. Like I know wow. that I know that everybody's mother makes the best mashed <laughs> potatoes in the world, but my I, I will, <laughs> I will force feed you my mother's mashed Maryland. potatoes. Maryland makes the best mashed she potatoes. Makes the best mashed mom, potatoes. I love you. Thanks for making mashed potatoes and feeding a starving college student. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, every every college student's dream is just come home and see a. a, a table full of food that's not ramen noodles well i'm sure my mom made some pretty damn good well we'll, we'll get that we'll, we'll get Thank to you, that mom. shout we'll, out to you <laughs> we'll get to that well we've we've been holding off on uh this all season chris but after saturday we finally felt the need to to set the mood uh pull the trigger on it we've been talking about it since the miami game <laughs> and now we finally decided to go for it the eagles is a desperado the opener for the show tonight i'm not crying you are oh man <laughs> the pole streak is over Florida State fans, but don't be too sad because there are a lot of exciting things to talk about when it comes to Florida State athletics, and we are going to brush on all of them over the course of the show. A lot has happened this week, and I see no reason for dilly-dallying. Let's get right into it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Time to introduce the panel, and what I want from the panelists tonight after I introduce you all is I want to know your favorite Thanksgiving tradition, if you have one. What is a Captain Without His Crew? I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. How are things? Things are good. It's, uh... It's good to be back. They, you know, usually the end of Thanksgiving break means three more weeks left in the semester, so it's really just a 21-day countdown. So uh, your favorite Thanksgiving tradition, and also I want you to tell everybody what you told me before the show uh, about your kneecaps. About my kneecaps. Oh, man. <laughs> that sounds suggestive. Anyway, um, I – well, for Thanksgiving, normally back home in California, we would go over to my Tito's house or my, my grandfather's house, uh, my family gets together and everybody brings their favorite dish. It's not unlike it. We don't do anything super out of the ordinary, I guess. Really? Yeah. I, th I thought. I mean, there's more Latin influences in our dishes, but it's. Is it? I, I, I was going to say. Don't is even it, go there. Is it? Is it tacos? But is it? No. Why? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's extremely ignorant. <laughs> uh, and to my right, it's making, not just mashed potatoes. It's not just mashed potatoes. Uh, to my right, making his Tomahawk Talk debut, we have Austin Reynolds. How about you, my friend? I'm doing all right. Uh, it was kind of a rough weekend to be me, the sports fan, because Falcons uh, did not do that hot on Thanksgiving night. I'm yeah. sorry? Who that? <laughs> oh, I forgot about Damn. that. Yeah, yeah but um, FSU, don't need to say much more. But uh, yesterday, Atlanta United did pull out the win, so okay. very happy about that. I and see I see you rocking the Atlanta yeah, United hat right how about, now. How about them Braves? They got Josh Donaldson, and I am so happy about that because that, e I, even if it is just a one-year deal, kind of like a prove-it kind of thing, I'm I'm very excited for the trajectory of this team. No, I think so, too. Josh Donaldson finally getting an opportunity to yeah. kind of resume that status that he had a couple of years ago. He's kind of been in a dry spell with a couple of teams that haven't exactly panned out for him. And, you know, Atlanta is a on-the-rise team, of course, you know, breaking that playoff drought 
this uh, this past season. So that's going to be extremely interesting. Okay, Mr. Carlisle. I see you talking <laughs> baseball. I see you. I rehearsed that in front of the mirror. Did you? I bet you did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet you had Gary write that for I, you. I, yeah, I, I <laughs> actually, I have Gary in front of me with one of those. Uh, with the cue cards? With the cue cards yeah. that says, talk about John <laughs> Josh Donaldson. <laughs> <laughs> and finally... Uh, my, my favorite Thanksgiving moment. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, go for it. You got. I, I was assume you forgot about it, so I was gonna move on. But yeah, gotcha. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, back home in Atlanta, well, just north of Atlanta, but everybody calls it Atlanta anyway. On the streets, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my parents and I would usually go over to my grandparents' house, uh, a couple hours south of us, and we would just like play board games together until it was time to eat, and then we'd stick around talking about NFL, NASCAR. Though that was a pretty one-sided conversation. My, mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Uh, just generally talking about whatever comes to our mind for eight hours at least until one of us says, "All right, it's time to go home." <laughs> but now that's uh, now that I'm down in Lakeland, uh, I just my family just moved there about a month ago. Uh, we had a pretty low key Thanksgiving, but still pretty fun. Yeah, good to hear, good to hear. And finally, rounding out the panel tonight, we have our Tomahawk, Tomahawk Talk producer Sebastian Angel Riano. What about you? How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, to be honest, I was a little surprised at the music selection. Uh, not because <laughs> of what it, what it, um, the reason or what it was, but the reason because I thought you, like I said earlier, um, you picked that song because you knew it was the last F one weekend of the year. And Sebastian, I, was I think you're the only one in this room that knew that. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but um, no, um, great week in ball. Except for the weekend, it was a great Thanksgiving break. Uh, got a lot of rest, which is, I think, what I needed the most, to be honest. And uh, Thanksgiving tradition. Well, um, me and my brother uh, back home, what we what we would do for a long time. This year, uh, we did it for a bit, but not as long as we usually do. Um, what we uh, instead of like going out and throwing a pigskin in the front yard or the backyard, um, what we kind of do together on Thanksgiving is sit down and play Super Mario together. Uh, oh, Super Mario Galaxy. Nice. Um, we started the tradition when the game came out, that the year that game came out, and um, it just became like a sit down, try to beat as much of the game as we could <laughs> within, uh, like, before Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, we don't do a lot together, but like it, that's like the one thing that we do year in year out. That's like our kind of bonding activity for the year. Oh. See that that's actually really nice because I thought you were going to say Mario Kart, and I'm yeah. like, well, that's almost as worse as talking about politics at the dinner oh, table. No. <laughs> our our like our heated game was never Mario Kart. It was actually Super Mario Baseball. Oh my God! Uh, oh, it's the wow. Super Mario Mario's Baseball. Superstar Baseball. I will like that. both of them. Uh, Superstar Baseball and Sluggers. Um, I uh, I will confess to one of my gravest sins on air here. Um, uh, be careful. Mario, <laughs> uh, Superstar, Slug, uh, Superstar, and Sluggers were the only two games that actually managed to make me stand up, go to the the cube or the Wii, and turn it off out of anger mid game. Oh, oh man, that's how heated we got. That's a big no no. I mean, uh, he would always <laughs> cheese with the heaviest hitters yeah. like DK and Bowser. Like that's all he did. Speaking of going to uh, something and turning it off, I w- we wish we could have done that to the Florida State game this weekend. Uh, segways <laughs> upon segways. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, wouldn't turn off in the press box. Uh, exactly. I, as far as my Thanksgiving tradition, and we don't do this anymore, but I, I still have very fond memories of this. Um, of course, you know, Thanksgiving about uh, less than a month removed from Halloween, and we would always used to have this candy left over, and particularly we used to have a lot of Butterfingers. Mm. And uh, my dad, when he was a teenager, he worked at Caravel Ice Cream, 
So he was taught how to make all kinds of different kinds of ice cream. So what we started doing was we started taking over the leftover Thanksgiving, or excuse me, Halloween candy, uh, and it, w- it turned out more consistently to be Butterfingers. And we started chopping up, and uh, my father made Butterfinger ice cream, and that was always the one thing that everybody did together, and it was always a really nice process. And now we do that for for Christmas because we go to my grandfather's every uh, year for Thanksgiving, which is nice. But yeah, that that's real quick. I I did actually as as everyone was talking, I got to think. Ah, of, see, I knew. I thought it. of I... something, but no, it's it's different because it's not a tradition I have back home in California. But obviously, coming here and being in Florida, I've actually spent Thanksgiving every year in some place new and different, which is kind of cool, actually. Um, so it's a tradition of not having a tradition. I does well, that, it's a tradition of spending it with different families, I guess, and that's honestly what's made my transition here in Florida. Uh, a lot a lot nicer you know you spend it with different families and you find out everyone else's traditions um, and so that's been an enjoyable experience for me Chris Camacho Austin Reynolds Sebastian Andriano and once again I'm your host Nick Carlisle uh, and are you guys ready to go I'm, I mean I guess are well. well. you guys ready to go yeah okay, let's good. do it <laughs> It's time for the off the top segment which if you recall is the segment where I take a pass look at the past week in sports and pick something throw it at our panelists, making them come up with answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And this week, the NCAA is looking for uh, a replacement for the outdated RPI rankings for college basketball. And in doing so, they released the first net rankings. I'm assuming that's what the abbreviation is going to, it's NET, but it's net. I don't know if they're going to call it strictly that. Uh, And I don't know if you saw these, but they are pretty awful. Uh, In these rankings, Ohio State is ranked number one, having beaten four below 200 ranked teams and uh loyola laramount uh, not to be confused with sister jean and loyola chicago loyola marymount yeah uh is it marymount it's marymount okay but loyola marymount is number 10 ranked in the in the in these rankings Mm -hmm. and they won their opening in game of the season against a team that's not even affiliated (laughs) and this one is probably the biggest head scratcher the kentucky wildcats are ranked 61 they're 61st in these rankings. Guys, obviously these rankings are pretty bad. Florida State was ranked 44th, in case you were wondering. Not that that has any bearing over the quality of the ranking system. I think that pretty much is easy to see how uh, kind of wishy-washy these rankings are. But I'm curious to know your ideal ranking system for college basketball. To put it in perspective, the net rankings are formed by strength of schedule, game results, net, efficient, uh, net efficiency, winning percentage, and location of the games played, whereas the RPI... Uh, didn't recognize margin of victory or the locations of the games. But in the net rankings, the margin of victory doesn't go over 10. So say Gonzaga beats Kansas by 15 points, Gonzaga will only get credit for the margin of victory of 10. That's about as high as it goes. So with that all being said, what factors would make up your ranking system? Chris, I'm looking forward to seeing you struggle with this question. <laughs> so we'll throw uh, it over to Sebastian uh, first. Wait, hold because... on. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Chris run that Okay, back. I guess Chris is Excuse me. Back. Okay, Chris, you want it? You got it. <clears throat> no, I don't know what I'm talking about. What am I saying? No, no, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. No, I, I think, listen. Quick, shut his mic off. I, th- <laughs> I think that the basis for these net rankings, there's, there's, good, it, there's good intentions with them and I think they're things that should be taken into consideration. However, I think it's too soon as as it is with most rankings. It's too soon in the season. Maybe Ohio State has some really high quality wins. Maybe they've blown out I haven't seen their scores. I haven't seen how badly they've beaten these four under two hundred teams. But I have a feeling that as the season progresses, maybe then this these this ranking system will start to make more sense. But it's just too small of a sample size. 
Um, I, I like what it's got. I think it just needs more time, maybe. I don't know. Allison? I'm kind of in the same vein as Chris here because, I mean, when you take into account something like strength of schedule, a lot of the teams are going to be playing some of these cupcake squads earlier on in the season before they get into their own conference play. So the rankings are going to be kind of wonky there. But um, I, I agree that it's a little too early to evaluate it or be getting your pitchforks ready for a new system because there are some kinks to work out, and I think it'll level itself out over the course of the season. So if, if we still have the Loyola, Marymount, or whatever on top uh, after 34, 34 games have been played, then it might be time for some concern. But right now, I, I'm with, withholding my judgment. Boom. Yeah. Um, I just have a few questions before I really give my input. Uh, first off, is the entire process automated? Uh, is it just like a because that number of um, I believe I believe there's a lot of algorithm that goes algorithm, into it, yeah. uh, but there is also a committee that is running the algorithm as well. Okay, well I mean and I think that's that kind that part of the job falls onto the committee because if you're if you're looking at like like Chris says um, if you're looking at squads that are padding their stats against smaller colleges across the country um, and let's say there's just a, a 5-0 record for for one school who's beaten. Um, some schools and what would be uh, like significantly smaller schools um, within that 5-0 record that's still just to, to, the, to the numbers machine it's just uh, a, a 5-0 record with really good results against uh, schools maybe away and some away wins some home wins that must be really good um, at that point you have to that's like the committee's job to say well we gotta we gotta reel this back in this contextually this run isn't as impressive as it should be um, one thing I will say, though, because um, I, I saw I did see this earlier today. Uh, Nate Silver of uh, 538, uh, one of the bigger number crunching uh, websites out there, said, and I quote about the new um, the new rankings. Uh, These are the worst rankings I've ever seen in any sport ever. The NCAA needs to go completely back to the drawing board. So uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe talk to him. Look, the, the number one Ohio State Buckeyes, their smallest margin of victory was nine points. And their biggest margin of victory was forty six. Mm-hmm. So it's oh. their scores have been in, in between there. In in between, <laughs> uh, in my ideal ranking system, I think strength of schedule and then the results of the game in terms of win and loss, on the quality of the opponent, and then finally the margin of victory, uh, should be should take priority over the rest. I don't think location should be as much of a factor, and that generally should make up the core of what the ranking system is because at the end of the day I don't think that the location of the game really matters as much as it does in basketball as it is in say football and the reason I say this is because in football it's a sport that deals with a lot of extremes when it comes to volume it's very loud and then it's very soft but with basketball I think there is a lot more outside noise with the sport there's uh, a beats playing over the PA there's a steady stream of sound there there's there's defense uh, I, I guess drums somewhere there's the mm-hmm. band playing there's always some outside noise in comparison to playing the football game where if you're on offense and you're at home things are going to be generally pretty quiet basketball just doesn't have the extremities that other sports have when it comes to location and I think it's quite frankly the easiest sport to get a win in on the road besides maybe baseball I, I think about the uh, in, in, in a comparison I think about the UN game that we went to Chris and I remember that you could feel the stadium shaking it was so loud now there's a difference between a crowd of 80,000 people and 12,000 people which is what the Tucker Center holds for example sure you have fans screaming at you you have the band playing but it's not that bad comparatively it rarely gets ever loud enough to shake the communication of a defense 
for example. So I think that a 20-point win at home and a 20-point victory on the road should obviously be weighed with greater reward for the away victory, but definitely not as much as the net rankings might have them right now. So that was the Off the Top segment brought to you by me, sponsored by me. So I have a confession to make. Let's hear it. Normally, normally I, I spend a few hours to prepare for the show, but for this show, I decided not to prepare for the first half. Now, you all should be very scared. It's a bold play, Colton. But uh, I just felt like with this show, this particular show, it should be as candid as possible and as conversational as possible because now that the season is over, now is the time for conversation. For the past 12 weeks, it's been about, okay, so the game went this way. What can Florida State do better? What is Florida State doing well? What can they do next week? And how are they going to, to combat combat? Excuse me, combat their opposition but now football is over and here's florida state for us for, for, <laughs> for, florida, state. for, for florida state first Sorry. first first losing season since 1976 first time not being in a bowl game since 81 and mm. there's no football in tallahassee till the spring obviously with the win at boston college a couple weeks ago things were looking up for this football team momentum appeared to be on the side of fsu and i don't think many people saw the florida game going exactly the way that it did the entire panel picked florida state to win last week uh, the first time that that's happened since maybe the Wake Forest game. <laughs> yeah, Florida State losing 41-14, to losing the streak, not only winning uh, the, the streak of winning or 500-ranking 500, uh, seasons, losing the bowl streak, losing the streak of five straight wins over Florida. This was a real backbreaker a for this team. Losing. A lot of losing. Yeah, just rattle them off. And it, it kind of sums up how this season went for Florida State football. I, I would agree. But at the same time, I kind of look at it uh, like, like I would a, a winning streak. In the sense that now there's no pressure. There is nothing now for Taggart. There's no pressure on him to keep something going. I think now he can go into the 2019 season with a clean slate. There's a lot to look forward to in that season. It's just, but I, I would agree, this is a summation of how 2018 has gone. You really, I, you really think he has nothing to worry about? Well, I mean, okay, well, well, that's not true. He's got something to worry about. Well, I would but, say so. But I would think there was a lot of pressure on him going into this, and now that's one less thing he has to worry about. I think there's just a certain amount of pressure at being a, at a program like Florida State, and sure. I think Tagger knows this already. I think that was one he of, talked about it. That was one of that was yeah. one of the first things he said mm-hmm. is that there is a culture here, and obviously one of the hardest jobs that he's had this season is to establish that culture change, change the locker room. But he understands that this is Florida State. This is a program that has a lot of prestige, and a lot of people are really upset right now, as some of them may be entitled to be. Now, of course, I think a lot of the – I said this earlier in the season, but I think the media had a lot to do with kind of overhyping this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to take a look at some of the things that we said, it could be an entire I skipped it segment in itself. <laughs> you know, we were thinking New Year's Six Bowl. We were thinking 10 games. We were, th- we were 10 thinking wins. 10 win seasons. Oh, yeah. Just based on what, I guess, everybody wanted this Florida State team to be, and it obviously turned out to be the exact opposite of what everybody wanted to be. So – Kind of just as a general launching off point, Austin, where where do you think the next logical step is for this football team? Is it just more practice, or do you think some coaching changes should be made? Um, I I would kind of err on the side of keeping the guys that we have in, in the coaching staff right now because a lot of the guys that Willie brought on are in their first year, of course, so I think it's too early to pull the trigger on a lot of those new additions. Um, but one area of concern that has basically been there all season is the offensive line. And pretty much immediately following the game in the press conference, Taggart uh, spoke to that concern, and he said that 
rather than trying to throw some new recruits into the fire at the beginning of next season, he wants to develop the guys that we had in the rotation towards the end of this season, which I can appreciate because just throwing guys into the fire would be, in essence, a repeat of this season. So we can't really handle another disappointment of that caliber. So I respect his decision to stick with his guys, but offensive line would be the first area of concern for me because we have a great core of running backs, even with Jacquez Patrick departing. And if Francois can have more there, or whoever is under center, I'm, I'd, it could be Francois, could be anybody else. But regardless, <laughs> if the quarterback has more than two seconds to throw the ball, then we've got a great core of wide receivers as well. Uh, so I, I think this team could be very explosive next season under the right circumstances. And you, you mentioned the offensive line, and it, it, it would be redundant in itself to say, well, the offensive line has problems because, you know, if I had a dollar for every time that we've said on the show that the offensive line has problems, well, I think my tuition for next year would be paid <laughs> by now. But the area that I'm looking at besides the offensive line is the defensive backcourt. The, the 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 defensive secondary and just how awful that they they just declined over the season. Now obviously Devontae Taylor didn't get much playing time, whether it was from injury or whatever in the second half of the season. But you take a player like AJ Westbrook, who's also departing as a senior, and I said this on on the show either last week or a couple weeks ago. There would be a lot of touchdowns, and it's not just AJ Westbrook, but there would be a lot of touchdowns, and especially those the, the pass interference penalties yeah. that would not exist if these defensive backs just learn to turn their head and look at the ball when they see the eyes of the wide receiver that you know that's what they teach you when you see the eyes of the wide receiver light up you got to turn your head make a play on the ball if you can and that was a consistent thing that just did not happen and it allowed for a lot of touchdowns that the defense probably could have saved and of course the defense was the, the without a doubt the strongest part of the team this year so but, on the season florida state has had 110 penalties for 851 yards. Wow. That's got to be the most in the country, is it? Uh, that's a great question. I'm looking at the stat sheet on the Seminole website, but I, I can check it's that It's bottom right 20. Bottom 20. It's bottom 20. Gary Gary seems to think that it is the most penalty. Most... Second, might be second worst. Second worst. Mm. One of the things that, that caught my eye was I, I was I was on social media after the Florida game and barring some very – Awful things on social said on social media. We'll not get we'll not get into that. If you, if you have not heard, you'll have to go and explore that for yourself. Uh, truly disgusting what was being said. I got to commend you for for digging down there right after the game. That's usually when there's you know the the, the seat is oddest. Yeah, but is. I I was I it wasn't anything that I was seeing from media or news. It, there was stuff that I was seeing from players. Oh, oh well 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 necessary. Well fans were particularly nasty, oh, but right. but mm-hmm. fans. Or, or excuse me, players. I saw Keyshawn Helton, you know, I think, and um, a couple. I think uh, Jaden Woodby. I think uh, all all of them. All of them were commenting to on, on themselves in the season, saying, "We're sorry, you know, this is not the way that we wanted the season to go. We're going to come back and work harder." And I think that speaks volumes for this football team. And I think that if anything. Say what you want. This is a sign that the culture is changing. This is the sign of players being able to take responsibility for their actions and for the state of the program as it is. Sebastian? I mean, um, I, I, if I want to go forward, i got to go back for a sec. Um, concerning the, the end of this game, of course it's an unfortunate resu- uh, result for the Knowles, but um, I really have to disagree. If, if Taggart's sentiments are, uh, we're just going to work with our core guys and uh, try and try and develop that talent. That's fine, but I really, really hope for the for the sake of the program um, that we we do see a lot of um, scouting. 
just recruiting, 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 recruiting. That should be the ammo, full stop for for this for for the summer. Uh, that's really all I'm I'm, I'm interested in uh, seeing in the program because um, uh, I've 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 said this before um, through the season. Uh, these problems are problems that are three years old. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, f- it feels like he just stopped uh, recruiting, stopped looking into talent, um, making sure that um, our the, the football program was well-rounded um, because uh, the result is this season. That's yeah. why I've been so um, adamant about uh, the fan base being lenient on Taggart because these issues um, – were three years in the making. Yeah, he's um, he's inherited this problem. Yeah, he's inherited this problem. So I I, I can't I, I can't fault him too much uh, for for the issue. I think there are matters of discipline. Um, mm-hmm. It's explicitly the the penalties that I really need looking into. Uh, but apart from that, going back to those penalties, uh, Florida State. Gary mentioned uh, Florida State was second worst in the country before the the Florida game. Oh, However, right. after. Florida State is officially the worst in the country when it comes one. to penalties. We want something. <laughs> <laughs> Who's number two? Who 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 did second worst is Kent us, State yes. with uh, a with Kent State. Kent State with a hundred and eight. Oh, I'm taking I'm taking a look. There are a couple. Of, uh, there Louisville isn't isn't that far behind, but right. Ohio State ninety eight. Well, I think Ohio State <laughs> clearly has a, a lot more sure <laughs> uh, talent to kind of cement that but right but no i i want to go back to to what sebastian talked about when it in in terms of discipline i would agree there there's a lot of who was it this asante samuels with the with throwing the punches yeah i was i was going to comment there were a lot of punches thrown this season probably more than the past couple seasons combined at least that that we saw and doting on that that's that's also part of the culture. You can like going on Twitter after the game and saying, "Hey, man, we're sorry, we screwed up. I take full responsibility." Uh, that's fine. Uh, I mean, PR speak. It, for me, it doesn't feel genuine. It feels like PR speak. Um, and, but speak at least you're you're going out and saying something. Uh, I respect that. But uh, but but you, you got to you got to practice what you preach. If you're yeah. sorry about it, don't do it the next week. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, now they got to wait nine months before they can. Put that practice into well practice. Throwing punches means you care. That sounds terrible, <laughs> but throwing punches means you care. It's just that the the passions you have is uh, terribly misaligned, to say the least. Um, I, I I just want to see more discipline from from this football program. Discipline is one of the major focuses that obviously I think everybody is pointing to. Uh, you you can't be the worst team in the nation when it comes to penalties and expect to win very much. And a lot of a lot of people are pointing to, well, you know, last year's team won more games than this year's team, and therefore Taggart is a worse off coach because there is a losing season and yada yada yada. And that's the general, I I, I want to say, the the casual foot by football fans digest. That's that's <laughs> the article of the casual football fan. But you got to remember, last year the only reason that the Florida State Seminoles even made it to a bowl game was because the NCAA rescheduled the U- Louisiana Monroe game mm-hmm. at the very end of the season. And my boy Odell. Odell Hagens <laughs> undefeated as head coach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Odell Hagens. Well, maybe, he's may, a, he's maybe a he should hero. return it. Oh, oh, just no. <laughs> but, of course. The world needed him most. <laughs> but I think what I'm most excited about when it comes, and this is already being very speculative, I'm really excited to see the offense get 
a lot more time under its belt because of course it's going to come up around a year now maybe maybe a little less than a year when Taggart uh, you know got the hire and it's even more so down the line when the football team actually started practicing and learning this new Gulf Coast offense now that there's a year under this offense Austin where do you think the next log logical step in the offense is is it going to be a little bit more experimentation do you expect to see uh, more some more trick plays is there going to be still that commitment to the running game which really pains me because there were a lot of times this season when Florida State should have abandoned the run game and you know stick to the guns that were working for it where, where do you see this offense going there's a couple players that obviously Forrest is going to get back like Kalen Laborn that could be yeah. absolutely influential in this offense yeah Kalen Laborn is a really exciting player um, I can't wait for him to have a more impactful role in the offense but with regards to the the run first mentality that you mentioned I, I do kind of want them to shy away from that because there were numerous scenarios where the, the the offensive coaching staff was just too focused on the run to really deviate from that when they probably should have. And uh, e even in the student section where they probably don't pay as much attention to the game as we do, they, they kind of caught on to that as well. And uh, it was just a very widespread concern that the passing game wasn't getting as much attention as it needed to. Sebastian? Nope. Yeah, no, it, it it's – I would agree. I think shying away from the past game, but at the same time, this is – they have nine months now to, to kind of wrap their heads around, and I, I agree. I, I think this was a very young core. Um, I, I will say this. I don't think DeAndre Francois is coming back as a starting quarterback. No. I wouldn't put my money in that pool either. Right. I think at this point – and I said this on a show last week, and I know I keep alluding to past shows, but it's it's kind of rewarding to see stuff that you say just come back. It's like a lazy Susan, and it always comes back around. But <laughs> at this point, at this point, DeAndre Francois isn't the quarterback for this football team, and he can try and declare for the draft, but I don't think he's an NFL-ready quarterback at all either. And I think a, he could have been, but it's we very and it's very unfortunate to say, but Florida State ruined DeAndre Francois' career. I can agree with plain, that. Plain and, plain and simple. You don't take a quarterback that is tough as nails. I remember the first game watching him, the Ole Miss game, where he got absolutely destroyed by the Ole Miss defensive that line. That one hit in the Miami game. The one hit in the Miami game. The and, 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 the, and the countless, you know, pages full of hits that he's taken since then. He's just a different he's just a different quarterback mentally and he's a different quarterback physically and of course you wish him luck but James Blackman to, J James Blackman is the quarterback of this team next year. Or Sam Howell. I feel we or definitely do have to give credit to DeAndre Francois. Um last year, you know, uh Bama game right off the gate uh, right at the end of the at the first was it or what no, at the end of the game, right? End of the game. Uh where you know, his uh, he gets hit, uh goes down and he's out for the rest of the season. Um to come back from that and work with what he had in his offensive line that would just collapse within three seconds um, on your average play and, um, you know, put us in positions that could do something. Oh, I can't believe I just used that phrase. Do something. But uh, <laughs> uh, to, to, to put us in a position, uh, put the team in a position that was, dare I say it, winnable um, is worthy of respect. I, I, I think... Um, Second string isn't out of the question if he, if he declares. Absolutely. We'll be right back after the break with the Time Honored Tradition seminal segment with Matt Pofak. Uh, uh, stay right here. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
Good evening, Tallahassee. This is Matt Povtek with your seminal segment. Florida State women's volleyball star Peyton Caffrey was named ACC Player of the Year today. The Florida native Caffrey finished the season leading the Atlantic Coast Conference in kills, kills per set, points, and points per set. Her 346.5 total points in ACC play is 30 points higher than the next player below her. Caffrey and Pitt's Kayla Lund led the ACC receiving the Player of the Week award three times each this season. Caffrey becomes the third player in program history to win ACC Player of the Year, joining Brianna Berry, who won the award in 2009, and Ashley Neff in 2012. Sophomore middle blocker Taryn Newth joins her on the All-ACC First Team, while senior libero Kelsey Wyshynski was named to the All-ACC Second Team. The Seminoles now turn their attention to the NCAA tournament as they take on in-state rival Florida in the first round this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. With a nail-biting 1-0 victory over Penn State, the Florida State women's soccer team is heading to the NCAA Women's College Cup for the 10th time in school history. In the match this past Friday, Penn State controlled the game in the first half but were unable to capitalize with a goal to show for it, and in the 53rd minute, Denia Castellanos, punished the Nittany Lions with a rocket of a shot into the top corner of the net. Penn State continued to attack, but with strong defense and excellent goalkeeping from Caroline Jeffers, the Seminoles would hold on to secure the victory at Seminole Soccer Complex. The number five ranked Seminoles will take on top-seeded Stanford Friday, November 30th at Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina at 7.30 p.m. The match will be nationally broadcasted on ESPNU. That's all for the Seminole segment. This is Matt Povtak. Now back to Tomahawk Talk with Nick and Chris. Thanks so much, Matt. Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. That was Matt Povtak delivering a fantastic Seminole segment. One of my favorite parts of the show. It really gives the, the anchors that you hear during the week an, an extra chance to shine, and uh, Matt just did a fantastic job. <clears throat> so just just some cl- – I know we've talked a lot of football uh, over the course of the season, of course, during this show. Um, just some final thoughts wrapping up. Uh, I, I, I kind of hinted at some co- coaching changes. I asked whether any of you felt like there was anything that needed to be done. And Austin, you said no. But I think if there was one thing that I would change coaching-wise, I think that special teams coordinator uh, Alonzo Hampton needs to go. I think that the special teams was kind of quiet this year in terms – it wasn't as bombastic as it was a couple of years ago where there were kick returns being returned left and right and everything seemed to be falling apart but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of mental i guess smartness with the special teams uh, unit this year there were a lot of times where there was a lot of open grass and 
players elected to fair catch it when there was at least 20 yards of open field. There were a lot of bad decisions when it came to running the ball out. And I think that overall that unit was just very poorly coached as a whole, and especially Ricky Aguayo missed a lot of field goals this year. Of course, Ricky kicks the ball with a pretty low trajectory. Uh, But the unit... I think was the probably the weakest even and that's that's including the offense the special teams unit was the weakest this year and that is the one coaching change that I think that I would uh, make this offseason I would keep Walt Bell I would keep Barnett uh, keep them together and see what they can do with this new offense and kind of stabilizing the defense because speaking of that defense they pretty much did let Felipe Franks do whatever he wanted statistically what he did against the Seminoles was what he did la- uh, the week before versus Idaho um mm-hmm. A very, very poor game. And that kind of just wraps up the season for the Seminoles. Just kind of just disappointingly poor. They're, they're, they're with hope for the future. With hope for the future. Uh, that's and, and it's kind of sad because as a senior, you don't necessarily get to see that develop. And the last words that I'm going to be saying about Florida State football until the spring game in 2019 is, well, <laughs> it's disappointingly poor. Well, I, I can tell you who can come in and coach them is, uh, is my mother. Cause she, <laughs> she insists. <laughs> On drilling them to pieces. My, my 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 dad was actually telling me during the Gator game that he was a, li- a little scared because of how angry my mom was getting. But love her. She's a passionate woman. Hi, Mom. <laughs> mom. Moving on to uh, uh, the I Skipped It segment, which uh, I've only done it once so far, but it's the segment where I take I turn back the clock a little bit and take a look at a take that I had earlier in the year and uh, the rest of the panel kind of gets to make fun of me for a hilarious bad take uh i'm perfect most of the time this is I'm perfect most of the time <laughs> but sometimes sometimes i'm wrong and i was wrong when i said that the hugh jackson firing was the worst thing that the cleveland browns could have done i railed the the, the cleveland browns gm and the owner saying this is basically you being unable to come to terms with the fact that you're screwing over your team once again, you can't make up for your mistakes, and you're using Hugh Jackson as a scapegoat. scapegoat. Since then, the Browns have only lost to the Chiefs, and that was a pretty respectable score. I think it was 37-21. to 21. That sounds about The right. Chiefs have beat a lot, te- a lot of teams a lot worse Super than they Bowl beat contender. the Browns. Yeah. And now they're on a two-game winning streak. They beat my Falcons, too. They beat the Falcons. <laughs> and they blew out Cincinnati for a majority of the game this past Sunday. I'm not sure what the final score was, but I think they were up by at least a couple of touchdowns. Did you see them point. give Hugh Jackson the ball on an yeah. interception? And that's kind of what inspired the I Skipped It segment this week. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, this is, the, this, is the, this is the part of the segment where the panel kind of gets to say, Nick, you were extremely dumb, or they kind of give me some forgiveness. So I, I don't really listen to half the things you say, Nick, so I don't really oh, remember everything. Wow. But I'm just kidding. I love you. You're great. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I, 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 I don't really have anything on you. I will say, and, and I'm sorry, Jake, but I had faith in Michigan this past weekend, and, well, that didn't really pan out. And Jake just left the room. <laughs> I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. I still agree with you. I think it was a terrible idea. I, I still think it's a terrible idea. I won't refute the um I won't refute the uh the results. Uh two wins, uh four losses though. Big asterisk. Uh but uh I I like changing doing doing something so radical as firing a head coach half, not even halfway through the season is is still a, a big gamble. So I I don't it's Hugh Jackson. It is Hugh Jackson. <laughs> 
That is like a very important thing. This isn't just any head coach. This is Hugh Jackson we're talking about. The, this but is, honestly, this is the second worst coach statistically in terms of wins and losses in yeah. NFL history. Yeah, he's like it, it was what two and two and thirty. Two and thirty-three. Two and thirty-three, two and, 33 and I think it's high. Right. And it's high. Incredible. But uh, that that maybe. I, so you're giving some any 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 forgiveness from you, Austin? Yeah, I, I will forgive you. Though. I, I'm gonna take the opposite position here and say that the, the firing was one of the best things that could have happened to the Browns because. I, I don't know if Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchens are the future of the Browns organization, but I, I did see a tweet uh, posted on Reddit earlier today from Patrick Doherty of uh, NBC Sports. He said, quote, some random running backs coach being the dude to unlock Baker Mayfield is why you don't keep hiring the Mike McCoys of the world for the 18th time. It's a very fair point. It's a good yeah. quote. And, uh, I mean, y- you could apply that to Hugh Jackson, but just may- maybe it's a change of scenery that Baker Mayfield needed. Like, y- you can tell from his post-game conferences and from – even his little post-game interaction, if you can call it that, with with Hugh Jackson after the Bengals game, you can tell they weren't on the greatest of terms. So maybe maybe Freddie Kitchens isn't the long-term uh, answer, like I said earlier. But for the moment, he's he's making Baker Baker Mayfield a better NFL quarterback than we've ever seen him be. And it's it's not always what is said out in the open, but it's what's said in the locker room and exactly. behind closed doors that really matters. And uh, Baker Mayfield is absolutely looking like the number one pick right now. He's yeah. had some tough games, but again. Uh, the Browns have have been rebuilding since before I was born. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe not that extreme, but um, it's it's good to see something positive uh, for the Cleveland Browns organization. So Matt Matt did talk a little bit about women's soccer during the seminal segment, and I was glad that he did because that almost made a perfect segue <laughs> to talking about women's soccer during the main course of the show. This women's soccer team is really special. I've said it before, Mm -hmm. and I will say it again. They are something special. Facing, I believe, the Stanford Cardinals. That's right. Yep. The the defending national champions. Defending national champions. And we were were taking a look at the bracket a couple weeks ago, and I said that this was the game. This was the game. If you beat Stanford, I think you win the entire thing. You've already gone through USC. Well... Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll let you finish, but I've got, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've gone through USC, who you've already handled pretty well. I believe that was a 2-1 victory, or maybe mm-hmm. no, maybe it was a draw uh, back in the earlier parts Against of the SC? season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you, you face that team again. You have that team's number. Handle them pretty well. Then you handle Penn State 1-0. Dania Castellanos doing what she has done as long as she's been at Florida State University. And now you come to the Stanford Cardinals game, which clearly Chris took issue. With. Well, no, no, no. So, so <laughs> what I was gonna say is, I, I agree. I think if you can beat the defending national champions in in the Stanford Cardinals, you got a damn good chance of taking the whole thing. However, on the other side of the bracket, you still have UNC, who has historically been a fantastic program in in, in women's soccer. Um, and not to mention Florida State beat them in the ACC tournament. Um, and so that being said, I, I think I think UNC should they meet if they meet in the final in the finals, that is going to be a game to watch because that's a rematch of the ACC uh, championship. And I don't think UNC is going to give it up as easily as they did before. But the question is, will they make it there? Right. The gigantic question. And right now, from what I've seen from this soccer team, I, I think they can do it. I think there's a lot of confidence with this team. I think there's a lot of, dare I say, swagger <laughs> with this team. And 
I'm genuinely feeling very positive about these ladies and what they can do. And they have proven that they can beat UNC if they do get past Stanford. Really, this 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 is their championship game. Right. I think mentally that's the way that you approach it. I don't see how you can approach it any other way. Uh, how do you how do you see this going, Austin? I definitely agree with you in the uh, the confidence department because I mean, Stanford. I was checking out the bracket before the show, and they're coming into this game just guns blazing. It's not like they've been coasting through the bracket. They have scored nine goals and only conceded one in their bracket run so far. And I believe Florida State has con- uh, scored six and conceded two. So scoring a little bit, scoring at a little bit slower pace. But uh, this is, I believe it's going to be a barn burner. But, you you uh, really think so? I, I mean, barn burners aren't that common in soccer anyway. <laughs> but may- it, it'll be a spectacle. That's the word I was looking spectacle. for. Spectacle. Really. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. I, I think, sorry, I, I think Florida State, the last game against Penn State, Penn State was dominant. Yeah, that was all Penn State. And How- that's what I was going to say. After I'm mm-hmm. sorry to cut you off. No, it's no. not. It's it, despite what the score has suggested, mm-hmm. Florida State has really come over some really tough challenges. Absolutely, down a couple of goals versus uh, who was it in the ACC tournament? It was before, or was oh. it was it the title game? No, where, where they were down. I think it, I think it was be- versus Virginia. I believe that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was against Virginia. It was for, it, see, I knew it was right. See, this is why <laughs> this is why we have the I skipped it segment because, as I said, I'm perfect in every way. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, they have that struggles versus Virginia. They have they they give up, you know, a lead or during the the title game, mm-hmm. and now that they play a Penn State team that was more or less pretty dominant, right? And they've overcome these challenges. And when you're playing like that and you're overcoming those challenges, there's not that much that can phase you. Speaking of not being phased, switching sports here, <laughs> how about the women's basketball team? They suffer a pretty bad loss to LSU, not scoring a single point in the second quarter. So so to connect it from soccer to <laughs> to women's basketball, I was at the, the USC game. I believe that was two Fridays ago. Or no, two Sundays ago. <laughs> I was at the soccer game, was there for the first half, and then I knew the LSU game was happening, so I went, me and my buddy in from town from uh, from Orlando, we went over to the Tucker Center, were there for maybe the la- the latter half of the second quarter, and we were like, no, <laughs> we're going back, and we, we actually got to catch the PKs in the SC game, but yeah, that was a rough game to watch. You come from the LSU game, which Florida State looked anemic at best, and then you come back, head to the Bahamas, and you win the Junkanutes Jam title versus number ranked, uh, number twelve ranked Iowa. Pretty close score, seventy-one to sixty-seven. You know, Neil Wolfork, twenty-five points, eight for sixteen shooting, eight for eleven three, uh, free throws. This is really encouraging because when we had Arya Masudi on the show a couple of weeks ago, we both, univer- we we all pretty much universally agreed that the exciting thing about this Florida State women's basketball team is the youth and how are they going to overcome adversity. This was probably the biggest showing of overcoming adversity that you could have seen from this from this team in such an early part of the season. We haven't we haven't even hit, you know, ACC play yet. And they come we haven't back hit 2019 yet. Well, still yeah. a lot of basketball. Still, still there's a lot of basketball to play exactly. And you come back after really a, a very embarrassing loss. Mm-hmm. Even 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 so. Well, actually even even so in the LSU game, they were still able to battle back. They brought it in to within 13, which I mean is still that's still a significant margin, still. but they battled back. 
very encouraging for this young team. Very, very encouraging for Coach Simro and mm-hmm. what she's being able to do with these young ladies. Austin, what do you, what do you, what do you, and Sebastian, you can chime in on this. How do you think this will affect this team moving forward? Is this going to be something that these ladies can build off of, or do you think that this is just a flash in the pan? I absolutely think that it can. It's something they can build off of because a couple of days ago, over the break, I was looking at the score, just the Google Google box score of the LSU game, and I saw just a dash through the second quarter score for FSU, and I was wondering if that was just a glitch on their website or if they had to forfeit <laughs> a quarter somehow. But be, be, because I, I well, they, technically they did. But. I mean, yeah, <laughs> n- not intentionally, but I, I was uh, kind of disconcerted at that. But looking back at the progress that they've made since then, uh, able to take down a ranked opponent, very impressive win there. Um, I think it's absolutely something they can gain momentum from moving forward, even if it is early in the season. I think it's simple as um, this team has seen success. They know where they need to be in order to win games against ranked opponents. Um, and not some scrappy 24 seed, 25 seed, but a 12 seed, which is respectable. Um, they, uh, they, they, they know what it takes. They can execute off of that. Simple as that for me. And then men's basketball as well, coming off a loss. But, or well, excuse me, well, obviously the women won that game, mm-hmm. but still we're talking about a Florida State women's basketball loss leading into a nice win. Florida State played defending champs Villanova right. this past weekend, yeah. and it was a close game all the way through. It was back and forth. Back and mm-hmm. forth. I mean, you want to you talk about the women's team having some confidence? How about this men's basketball team as well? Mm-hmm. They seem legit this year, and that's not me blowing things out of proportion. We saw what they were able to do when nobody was counting on the Florida State basketball team, making it all the way to the Elite Eight in a team that, on paper, was worse than the team the year before it. <laughs> right. They, can they, can they, I just say, I don't want to watch another college basketball game unless Dick Vitale is calling it. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Terrence Mann rising up right over again on the Slamble Jam. That's actually not bad. Uh, this is pretty good. Extremely it, good. It is. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe you have a future in radio or something. Who knows? That's not like I host a radio show or something. But or as a Dick Vitale impressionist. Or, or <laughs> well, <laughs> wherever there's money to be made. You've got the face for it. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's our soundboard when we need it? I had it? to do it. <laughs> I didn't know I had to do it to him. Yeah. Okay. Burn! All right, ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to say goodbye to Sebastian. Good night, everybody. That is the last Hit time the that you're hearing button. him on this show. Please don't <laughs> lock me into the production booth for another four months. Uh, back in the production booth for you, son. Oh, uh, no. Okay, but <laughs> to the matter at hand, uh, the, the score is 66-60. to Obviously, it was, it was a matter of last-second shots, timeouts, 20 seconds left to play. Um, if Phil Colfer was playing in this game, Chris... Does Florida State win? Oh, 100%. You think so? Yes, I, I I think they do. I don't know that they have a 10-point lead at the end of the game, but I, I think I think it goes in Florida State's favor. Phil Kofer has that leadership. Like, There's a difference when he's leading from the bench versus when he's leading on the court. Um, I mean, what, what do we call him? Grandpa Coco? Is that was that what it is? <laughs> Grandpa Coco. Grandpa Kofer. You know, he's just he's that he's that veteran voice that you need the field general that you need on the court with you. But even still, I think Florida State fared ha, has been faring just fine without him as well. I think the really outstanding thing from this game was how well the bench played. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think the they outscored Noah's bench by like thirty three to four. Let's somebody wow. run the stats on that thirty three to four. Yeah. 
that 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 that's absolutely incredible. And Chris is going to be looking that up. But it, the, I I taking a look at the stats right now, and I look at obviously look at Kevin Gelly. He didn't exactly have the best shooting night, but he did make a lot of free throws. Five my of dude, them, in fact. When he slammed home that dunk in the first half, and my I was getting to that. Goodness. There, there were a lot of very positive moments to come out of a loss. And you, you keep in mind that Villanova wasn't ranked for this, you know, coming in at 4-2, and two, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is, at least this is the defending champions. And It'll Florida State better. really went toe-to-toe with this, with, with this basketball team. And looking forward, they play Purdue on Wednesday night, I believe. Looking forward to this matchup. There's a 69.9% chance that Florida State wins this game. Nice. Uh, that number, doesn't mean anything in college that basketball. Doesn't, that doesn't mean anything in college basketball. I know we like to look at the numbers for college football, mainly just to look at <laughs> what pitiful percentage ESPN has Florida State winning or had them winning. I think the lowest, the record low was 9% versus Notre Dame. Um, but looking at the numbers here, uh, obviously number 19 right Purdue, number 15th ranked Florida State. Florida State and is Florida at State home here. Florida State yesterday actually was, was favored to win that game against Nova. Apparently it's the first time – in the past two years that Villanova has not been favored to win a game. Really? really, Yeah. Really. Incredible. So you take a look at Purdue versus Florida State. Obviously, Purdue has kind of had a resurgence of basketball prowess over the past couple of years. And they come into this game averaging 85.3 points a game as to 79 points for Florida State. About the same, uh, about the same assists. A little bit higher shooting percentage. And they do have a little bit of a rebound advantage statistically. And they are coming off of a win, Sebastian. What's the key for Florida State in this game? And Austin, you can chime in on this as well. Is it just going to be more of the same, or do you think that something might change? Do you think we might get a little bit of a different look? Uh, just ensure that the uh, the bench has consistency, like it did against uh, the reigning national champions, and uh, making sure shooting from range is healthy. I was going to say the bench part as well, but also just improving the three-point shooting because mm-hmm. I, I know that that was lacking very much, especially in the first half against Villanova. So just making sure that guys can hit their shots, take smart shots in particular. Um, and I think and that, no flagrant yeah, fouls. Absolutely, yeah. No more of that, please. <laughs> yeah, Florida State shot for 25% yeah. from beyond the arc. Not great. Not, 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 not the, not not the best. It's not going to win you games. No, it's not. However, their perimeter defense, this defense has shown uh, a lot of improvement. Like it, it's, it, Admittedly, once teams are able to break through the perimeter wall, scoring in the paint hasn't been that difficult for them, but they are not giving up threes very easily. We have about three minutes left, and we've, we've talked about everything Florida State that we could have possibly talked about Florida State. So the only thing left really is the absolutely insane game between – Texas A&M and LSU. Oh, my goodness. The most points scored in FBS history. <laughs> Seven overtimes. Tied. Tied. Imagine, imagine going, it's it's time for bed, and telling your telling your wife, wait, no, no, overtime's just starting. I'll, I'll finish out overtime, and then I'll go to bed. <laughs> Six Waking hours up later. to, like, <laughs> doubling the score from, from like, oh regulation. I felt that way watching game three of the World Series. Oh, that, but, that's, yeah. But... Uh, what a game! We did what that. a game! More to the point. Well, yeah. it's fun. So, so being a Dodger fan and following Dodger Twitter, a lot of fans were like, "Call me when when it's been 18 innings, <laughs> <laughs> then we'll have a conversation." However, I wanted that game to keep going. I thought it was so fun watching them go back and forth. I was like, "Who's gonna score? Are they gonna score?" And and Rogers for Texas A and M. Are you kidding me? Some of the catches that guy had is, I I, I almost felt it was inevitable that Texas A&M was going to take it. Unfortunately, I was I was pulling for LSU. If only we could get that in Pro Bowl 
honestly. Hmm. Can you can you imagine can you imagine the uh, the the college football uh, overtime system? Well, uh, well, uh, in, yeah. In well, uh, and the game that you uh, you you automatically think of is the Rams versus the Chiefs. Imagine if that if the if that <laughs> game went into overtime oh and that I could, I could take a year of that game. Uh, <laughs> Like score over a hundred points per team, right. maybe I don't know. That's a fantasy world in which football never ends. <laughs> like it's like unfortunately, like it's football ended for heaven. Florida State uh, this season. Just had to, to bring it back. To just that, had to go you? there. Just to find, and then the other huge game the weekend uh, over the weekend, Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State wiping the floor with Michigan, sixty-two to thirty-nine. It got close, but then it didn't. Um, <laughs> Nick, it, it it wouldn't be a tomahawk talk show if we didn't have something from Luke Fay. And that, oh, and that man. is, that I believe he just came from calling uh, a TCC men's basketball game, wherein they broke, they actually broke a school record and scored 133 points today, in their game. Wow! That's fantastic. Beat the team by like seven. Beat the team by seven. Who did they play? Um, they played. You just called the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy. Leon County High School. <laughs> I'm blank right now. I'm drawing a blank, but they didn't even The away team. It was a it was a it was a preparatory school. It was a preparatory school, school I see. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was it, it was a beat down. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were gonna go a different angle with the Luke mention, like Mackenzie oh. Melton. Uh, no, oh no, no. press up the favorite spot. Oh, that Rip, that it UCF. seems like it, there's been a couple of really bad leg injuries, and but in, in in basketball and football, there's of course the Mackenzie Milton injury, and there's um, Lavert's injury for the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and I believe somebody else had a similar injury. Alex uh, Smith for Al- the Redskins. Alex Smith had a Redskins. Oh, yeah. It's, the it's been a. Take it, I mean, I, we we, we did. I don't know if you, Chris mentioned this, but he 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 hurt his kneecaps. Um, oh my god! Coming out of the shower today. And, and hey, and, and Chris, on the basketball court, and but Chris, it, it, it's been a bad week for knee and leg injuries. And yes, Chris is, is, I, is I too the have victim. fallen victim to it as well. Fallen and can't get it's up. It's okay, mom. I'm fine. <laughs> We're out of time here uh, for Tomahawk Talk. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure for Austin Reynolds, for Sebastian Angeliano, Chris Camacho. My name is Nick Carlo. You've been listening to Tomahawk Talk on WFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next.